Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and an author in residence at Midwestern Seminary, and I'm very excited to share with you today uh, the great work of a good friend. Following Jesus is like running a race, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. While we prefer to live in the immediate, our God is not after quick fixes. His ways and his timetable are better. He wants to make us like Christ, and that takes a lifetime. So how do we run the race with endurance? Well, in Endure, Building Faith for the Long Run, Daniel Ritchie explores how God's people run well. Within this book, you'll find direction and encouragement for how to trust God in every year, every day, and every minute. You are loved by God, and specific attitudes and habits will build your faith and connect you to God's love. Learn how the seemingly mundane choices can be the most important for your good and God's glory. And here with us today to talk about his new book, Endure, is Daniel Ritchie. He's a speaker and writer from North Carolina. He's the author of a previous book called My Affliction for His Glory, and he's a longtime uh, veteran of gospel ministry. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing really well. We were just comparing notes that it's freezing where I am and warm where you are. So Oh, 100%. I know. I, it's I'm not trying to flex on you, man. If it makes <laughs> you feel it, if it makes you feel any better, I was uh, I was in Ohio Saturday and when I woke up it was too uh, below. And uh and I'm just like yeah. I don't I don't know how you folks in like the middle part of the country like survive. Uh, it's it, it's impressive. <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad. Like so I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico when I was a kid and one thing they they always say in the Southwest, right? Is something like, "Well, it's a dry heat." You know, it's like it's like 120 degrees. Like, well, it's a dry heat. Well, here it's like, well, it it depends on if there's wind or not. So it could be like yeah. seven below, but they're like, you know what? There's no wind, so we're gonna be <laughs> okay. Great, it's great. It's like I'm to be okay with it. It's like I'm still frozen. But I'm still yeah. frozen. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the encouragement. You're making so me feel not, so much not, better. It's not negative 14, I guess. So I right, just, right. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a sunshine on on that that whole perspective. That's for sure. I will say the wind does make a difference. Like, yeah. So we we moved here from Vermont, and there was a morning where it was negative 22. That's probably oh. the cold, that's the coldest I've ever been in. It was probably our second winter there. And we did that trick where you put the boiling water in the pot and or then the cup and you throw it in the air and it instantly turns into snow or whatever. Dude. Uh, so we dude. did that. That was fun. But I'll tell you, the cold there, um, temperature wise was colder, but it ne- it didn't feel that bad because there wasn't the wind that you get here. That's wild. Midwest. Yeah. It's just something about, you know, it's the wind, it's the wind chill. Factor. So, so hopefully there's there's no students thinking about coming to Midwestern listening to this podcast <laughs> right now because they they might be like you know what maybe maybe well, maybe if they read your book endure Ooh, that's right they'll be that's prepared right. for the hardship they'll be prepared I'm, I'm, for I'm here to help them as a head <laughs> the sanctifying work you know I'm yeah. an old old fogey when I'm talking about the weather and ranting about the weather. Uh, Sorry to do that. I mean, hey man, same. You have more hair than I do, so it's it's <laughs> not an old folkism. So don't don't worry, brother. Okay, all right, okay, uh, brother. I, w- I wonder if you could share uh, with our audience a little bit of your testimony, um, if you don't mm. mind, for those who yeah. may be uh, unfamiliar with you. Introduce yourself to us by way of uh, what the Lord has done in your life. 
Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so like, like you said, these days, man, by, by God's grace, I, I get to um, just carry the gospel all over the country as, a, as an evangelist and speaker and, um, and, and write sometimes uh, for fun. Um, but then, too, uh, I'm married to Heather, got two awesome kids. Um, but I get, you know, I guess in the, in the background of, of all of that, I mean, obviously it's just what, um, what God has just done. I mean, truthfully, like from, from moment one, uh, in, in my life, I guess the, the very interesting caveat within my story is that I was, I was born without arms. And, um, and so in that there carried, I think just a lot of, you know, like a lot of overcoming, um, you know, for sure. I grew up in the 80s, so this is like pre, pre-Google, pre pre-YouTube. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, learning how to do things with my feet, uh, I just learned on the fly. I learned lots of like trial and error. There wasn't like an, an, an armless occupational therapist out there who could show me the ropes. And so, right. um, so I, I did have to learn and, and fail, um, you know, a lot in, in just navigating life. But man, by God's grace, I mean, truthfully, um, the best way I'd explain it to people, uh, my feet are my hands. And, and there really isn't any sort of like lag or holding back in there. Um, you know, I drive a car. Uh, you know, mow the lawn, weed eat, uh, change change baby diapers back in the day when when my littles were still in diapers, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I think with that growing up, um, I think that there just came lots of frustration, um, lots of like identity issues. And, and I mean, truthfully, I think the biggest crisis growing up was seeing the love and grace of God comparatively. Like I would, I knew like growing up, I knew Jesus loved me. Like my parents were believers, took me to church. But I remember looking at all you guys with your like 10 fingers, two arms. And, and I would think, well, why doesn't Jesus love me? Like he loves mm. everybody else. And, um, and, and so growing up in my own heart, there was this really big tension. Like God doesn't love me. I did something wrong. Um, but man, as a teenager, um, God used a really faithful youth pastor. Um, just one night at, at of all things, a dodgeball lock-in is, is what God uses <laughs> to like bring me to Christ. And uh, and so, you know, for you guys listening, it's like you can only imagine dodgeball and armlessness don't go well. Um, but uh, so it's like God humbles me. Um, but then in a conversation with this student pastor um, as a 15-year-old, um, I think he lays out just God's love for me and how he made me. Um, God's love for me and just the work of the gospel in, in Christ doing what I could not possibly do, um, you know, for, for all who trust and rest in him as, as Lord and King, um, that he adopts us into, into the family of God. And then he uses us as a part of his kingdom and as part of his mission. And this guy laying out, man, this is God's love expressed for you. It's not expressed in two arms, not expressed in 10 fingers. And that night changed my life, man. Um, mm. You know, to to see to see Jesus, um, to see God's just like full on full court press pursuit of me on His terms, it changed my life. And and man, from it was ten months later, God calls me in the ministry just because it was like I went from broken, abandoned, lost, and hurt to I had a hope that I couldn't shut up about. And, um, and so, man, ever since that point, just, uh, I've spent my life, you know, through all the bumps and, you know, uh, twists and turns along the way. Um, I think still trying to point people to, to the great one that I've found my hope and my everything in. Bro, that's fantastic. I, I want to ask you about 
um, the sense of timeline. You talk about in your book, God works on an eternal timeline. I want to ask a question that I hope you won't find impertinent. That has to do with yeah. the learn has to do with the learning curve because I wonder. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. I've seen you use your phone, and mm-hmm. it occurred to me. Uh, I asked you once about writing because we both write books, and I was wondering, yeah. do you write? Do you do voice to speak or voice to text? And you don't. You type yeah. right with with your toes. Mm-hmm. When when phones became a thing, so I'm picturing like you know you you were born having to figure this out, and I'm I would imagine you got pretty adept into adulthood at using your feet for all sorts of things, but the phone seems to be like a curveball because it's suddenly invented, <laughs> and then you need the fine. Did you already have just the good skill of the fine motor? skills of typing or did that yeah. take a little while to kind of f- figure out? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, so the advent of cell phones wasn't a big deal really until okay. like that, that first, but I will say it got really complicated when the iPhone came on the scene and, right, and okay. it's like, you know, it, you know, cause even back in the day, I mean, to think of like blackberries and stuff like that, like I could, <laughs> I could use a blackberry, honestly, the, the keyboard, the textured keyboard helped me, but I okay. remember, you know, you know, you remember those first little black, tiny rectangular iPhones, it was so problematic for me because my toes are so big. And so it really, that you're right, that did throw a big wrench uh, in in everything. (laughs) And so I, I kept, I kept uh, smartphones, uh, you know, (laughs) at a distance for a while, at least until the screens got bigger. And I was like, Okay. Okay. I can do that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like, I have an iPhone these days and um, I'm like a lot of us, man. I don't, I don't know what I'd do without it, but you know, right. I, there, there was definitely a curve in there of trying to figure out how to make my big toes work with this tiny screen. Right. Well, <laughs> what, what I'm imagining is what has become part of your character from a young age is, you know, I think what has come out in, in the premise of the book, which is, um, certainly endurance, but the ability to kind of not give up, to persist, mm. to you, you talk about, you know, just having to persevere through failure, like it's trial and error. Right. Uh, I've I've got to I got to practice to get good at this. I've got to become more adept because this is just how I have to adjust. And 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 so you, it becomes part of your character of I'm not going to give up the first time or second time or third time I mess up. I'm going to have to keep mm. keep at it. Why is that so? Um, maybe it's a two part question. Why is that so difficult today? I'm wondering if you think people are softer uh, today than they used to be. Maybe we're not, but I, I, I don't know. And then maybe this is part of me feeling, you know, being an old person is like I think people are, 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 are wimpier than they used to be. But why is um, that kind of stick itiveness part of the discipleship process as well? Why is, you know, why is God interested in that? Yeah. So I, I think first, I, I don't necessarily think we're softer, okay. quote unquote, yeah. but, uh, but I do think we're groomed for the immediate. You know, it's like, I mean, because patient, of, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, to, to think because of our phones, you know, there there's no lag in our connection to work with our emails that follow us, with uh, with people's constant ability to reach us at, at the blink of an eye. Um, if we want an answer, we can ask the smart speaker in our kitchen, you know, to solve what, whatever random, you know, right. thought we've got rolling around in our brain. If we don't feel like cooking, we tap on our phone and... And food shows up on our doorstep in, in 30 minutes from DoorDash. I mean, it's just like in every way our culture has groomed us to, well, if I want it, I, I, I get it now, you know? And, and so I think that that's sort of like microwave mentality 
I think it short circuits a lot of the things, you know, just in terms of God's timeline in our life, you know, much to your point, it's like, God, God does not work a hundred percent of the time in a, in a swift fashion. You know, it's, it's like to think of, you know, how God has molded me and shaped me in the, in the 21 years that, that I've known him as, as my savior and king, um, to see the slow progressive difference. It's not like I can look at, you know, me in year one as a believer year two and see like these discernible like leaps forward. Um, but I think it's like you, you take year one to year 10 and you can see God's slow work. And so I think for us as believers, like in endurance is incredibly important because, um, I mean, to even look at, to even look at like guys in scripture, to think like Paul, you know, we just think Paul encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus and immediately he's turning the world upside down. But it's like we forget the the few years where Paul goes back home, Barnabas tracks him down, Barnabas loves on him, brings him in into his ministry, and, and slowly but surely, like by God's grace and, and God using some some godly people around Paul, he became the guy we know. And so I think it's it's to know that there's there's failure a part of our life, there's trial a part of our life, there's just slowness. That's both a part of our life and, and, a, and a tool that God uses, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And so I think we have to to push back against that that cultural tug uh, that, that says we have to have everything right now. Yeah. Um, in in Romans 15, Paul talks about how the endurance of the scriptures gives us hope or contributes to our hope. And you, you talk about Bible study in in your book, um, one thing I find really refreshing is when you pick up a book that aims to help us with the contemporary challenges of life or just the challenges of life that are ever, you know, ever cycling, ever new. And yet there's not a silver bullet. You're, right, present, right. you're presenting the classic disciplines. I think you've contextualized, you know, contextualized them in a fresh way and, um, you know, you're articulating it in, in, in a fresh way. But you're not saying here's a new technique or a self-help deal you've got prayer and you've got bible study how how you know how does the practice of bible study how does the the substance of bible study how does that factor into the christian's endurance yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, all through the book, I just use this picture of like running the race of faith that, that Paul talks about, you know, that it's like we're we're running for the long haul. We're not in it for a sprint. We're not, you know, boxers who just box at the air like we box with purpose. We we run to win. Um, and, and so I think to even get there, like if, you know, we're, we're thinking of some of the, the New Year's resolutions that we've already blown uh, at this point by the time this <laughs> podcast airs, um, you know, it's like. Like we all want to try to start the year off by like eating better. We want the right fuel. And so same for us in our walk with Christ. I mean, it's like in so many ways, this is this is the the milk, you know, uh, maybe for those of us that are, that are trying to grow in Christ, those of us who are infants in Christ. But I think just as much like it's it's the meat like this is this is the protein that that I help gr- I think helps grow those those spiritual muscles that allows us to to run well and and so it's like this we feed ourselves through the word. We we get to know the the one that, that we're aiming our lives at. 
you know, by by digging into the word, we get encourages and promise and, and strength and, and so many other things, I think, all by God's word. And so I think it's to realize, man, this is our primary feast and food and fuel. And, uh, and, and to see it as that it's, uh, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful letter. Um, from from Genesis to Revelation that God lays out for us, I think, so that we can run well and love Him more. Um, Daniel, talk to me a little bit about I don't know what you call it, mental toughness. Maybe there's something that I, you know, with with ministry students and, and others that I, you know, I try to explain, kind of from the world of athletics, right? The yeah, uh, I, re- I, re- I remember reading. Um, about Trent Dilfer talking about the difference between and you know a good quarterback in the NFL and an, an elite quarterback and mm-hmm. he has these list of qualities that he thinks is kind of next level and one of them isn't something that is is only reserved for the world of athletics but he it's a kind of mental toughness the ability mm-hmm. to bounce back from adversity right you've just had a huge setback you know and you, you're you're ready to get back out on the field you're ready to um, you know, to go back out there. Um, how important or or how does that play out in in the Christian life? And, you know, especially as it as it re- relates to endure, you know, the ability to go on to endure yeah, yeah. that kind of mental toughness. How do you develop that? Where does it come from? It's not just about kind of, you know, for Christians, we, we understand it's not about just like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or, or kind of summoning up the will from within. There's there's something supernatural that's taking place, but you yeah. know what does that look like? The sort of tenacity, you know. In the yeah, of yeah. The- I, I mean, I I think you know Jesus when he when he calls his disciples, uh, he he kind of lays that mental toughness. Like I mean, just in the call when he says, "Take up your cross, deny yourselves, and and follow me." And 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 I mean, it's like I think for us to, I mean, again to understand context. When Jesus says that, I mean, A, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet, so it it doesn't hold that sort of promise yet. B, we're not picturing the the cross that hangs over our baptismal in our church. You know, the the disciples' picture of a cross is is men being brutally murdered, you know, brutally, like, executed for the crimes that they've committed. And so I think for Jesus, I think straight out of the gates for him to paint this picture as discipleship is hard. Discipleship is you taking so much of, of everything that that was you and bearing it. I mean, again, we, we think of that picture of baptism, buried in Christ, but knowing that we're raised to a new life, a new hope, a new way of seeing things. And so I think in so many ways, it's it's to bury I think so many of the things that we used to be fueled by, that we used to love, that we used to look to, and now in being raised to life in Christ, it's like we now have new things that feed us, new things and new affections that we set our hearts on. I think that's why it's so incredibly important. You know, Paul says, was it Colossians uh, Colossians 3? Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. Because it's like for us, most of the things on this earth are going to discourage us more often than not. Um, but I think to, to fix our, our hearts on Him, that that's what allows us to take, I think, to take the body blows, you know, of just the brokenness of the of the groaning that Paul talks about in Romans 8. I, I think to absorb that and to lament too. So, so hear me out, even with this toughness, I'm not saying just stuff it and move on, you know. Right. Um, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in the book, a buddy of mine, 
who's at the village, Mason King, um, he just told me one time that that I think we as the American church have lost the ability to lament. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I think that we can't be tough unless we grieve what we've lost, but also look to what we gain in Christ. And I, and I think that that's, that's how we move forward without like cratering out, without giving up, without just throwing our hands up and going, this isn't worth it. I think when we can see all that is lost in the world, like Paul talks about in Philippians 3, but then also see the surpassing greatness that we have in him, that's how we can be tough. That's how we can move forward. And I think, you know, quote unquote, grind, you know, through through whatever we have to face. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's not anything to do with kind of illusions of grandeur or Mm. Those sorts of things. It's, it's more of the you know a Romans eight kind of more than conqueror, right? It's <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Your head's in the in the right place kind of motivation. Um, in in your book, you you kind of give uh, at different points uh, a pause to kind of direct towards these uh, biblical figures, uh, figures in history that that illustrate some of these principles. So you mm. you have uh, sketches from Paul and Abraham. And Joseph, tell us a little bit about that. What are you drawing from the lives of those of those men that uh, is applicable to us? Yeah, so you know, I just wanted I wanted to give us a little bit of encouragement. You know, it's like the book the book is really really practical, and and I just didn't want people to feel like, man, I don't I don't know if I can live this out. But I think too, you know, in in each circumstance. Um, you know, I, I think to take these these pictures of what God does through these men and how He brings them through their different, um, you know, just their different circumstances and sufferings and 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 hurts and and so I think it's like Paul, like you know, overarching. Paul has a lot of hurt. Paul has a lot of trial, a lot of brokenness. But over and over, you just see him going back to the fact that it's like it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. Like Paul for all that he recognized his hurt, he also recognized God's grace in his life. And so I think that that's, it's an incredibly important picture for us that even when our world is tearing apart, there's grace present. You know, it's it's James chapter one. It's every good and perfect gift. We see that it's around us. It's given to us by God. And so I think to recognize that, to celebrate that, even in small ways, that, that keeps us fueled forward. And, um, you know, it's like, I think, in, in especially in Abraham's case, you, you get the stereotypical picture of like, here's a dude who, who went to war. Here's a guy who, who f- trusted God over the long haul. Like he had to wait a really long time for the promised son that he said he was going to have. And so, you know, especially with Abraham, I think we, we see just such a, there, there's so many lessons I think we can glean on how do I keep going when I keep praying for this one answer to prayer and it's not coming. Like I'm not getting yes, no, or wait. I'm just getting nothing, you know? And and, (laughs) and so um, I, I think to draw encouragement from Abraham and Joseph, it's just like, I think Joseph has both the waiting uh, you know, over and over, it's like from from being sold into slavery to when he, he actually becomes, in so many ways, a deliverer for the people of Israel. How long he had to wait from from slavery to being in the palace, but also how many times he gets wounded 
in between that point and the palace. And, um, and, and so again, I think so many lessons of waiting and suffering all to the glory of God and all as a part of the purposes of God. Um, and, and so uh, I, I really try to use those figures as, as for us to understand we're not alone. Like this isn't just an us thing, that this is God has, has worked, you know, through people who've suffered and, uh, and there's hope for us now and on the back end. You know, one of the motivations that you hold out um, in the book is is really kind of holding up as a as an aspiration or as a goal what we're being formed into, what we're being made mm-hmm. for. You have chapters on uh, the blessings of community and uh, of bearing witness and 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 how enduring actually is part of our being shaped for those tasks or for those missions. But one of my favorite chapters uh, and and a surprising one um in some respects is a chapter on key on kinship chapter Mm -hmm. seven uh you've titled made for kinship tell us a little bit about that what's the importance of uh, of what you're calling kinship there and um how are we made for that yeah so you know i think in the the most enduring thing that that we're going to do is to to hand a gospel legacy um to to the people in our home whether it's our spouse, whether it's our kids. And so I think it's for for us to have that full understanding that it's like, if we're going to endure and we're going to see a legacy of gospel fruit endure, it's all right. I'm uh, Yeah, sure. I'm going to go out into my church and just kill it and be an encourager and make disciples and go on mission and do all of these great things. But what happens when I walk back in my own door? And, and I know it's like, especially for what I do, like I, I, I travel and speak a lot. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be gone for four days. I'll speak. I'll, you know, encounter all sorts of people. And I'm an introvert. And so, so it's like four days like that is it just wipes me it's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's rough, and uh, and so it's like you know so many times when it's like I'm coming back, um, you know, driving home or, or flying home, it's the realization. It's like man, I gave that that church or that conference, I gave them everything I had, but I can't afford to walk back in my home and give my wife and kids my leftovers. Um, because at, at the end of the day, as, as sad as it is to say, I will probably never see the people from that church or that conference again. I will see my kids, Lord willing, just about every every day or at least every year for the rest of my life. And so it's I think it's to realize how incredibly important it is for me now to like to lead my kids well and how I talk to them, to serve my wife well and just how I treat her and speak towards her. Um, to realize that it's like for those of us that are parents, we're the primary disciple makers of our children. And not our student pastor, not our church, not our kids' small groups leader. Like it, it is chiefly us, and they play a, a small role. But I think it's to realize that what goes on under our roof is, is I think, our most important gospel field that we can scatter gospel seed. And so I think it's to not forget we can be so busy going that, that we're not busy abiding with with our people that God has stewarded us with. And so I think to, to steward that, those relationships incredibly well is, uh, I, I think, one of the most God-honoring ways that we can endure. Yeah, I, I love, I mean, when you pair that chapter with the chapter on community and, and, and church, mm-hmm. right, um, how important it is or how helpful it is to endure because we have the support and the you know the mutual encouragement of others around us. It's 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 much harder to 
endure and and have a spirit of long suffering and uh, when you're when you're isolated when you're mm. out on mm. your own right so just what a a beautiful thing it is. Um, I really uh, appreciate the encouragement of the book. I think it can be uh, really helpful for folks. I think it'll be, um, yeah, maybe um, a means of, a, of of equipping. I was happy to endorse the book. I've actually read this. Most uh, people I interview about their books, it's not a book I've read. I'm sort of <laughs> I'm put off a press kit or previous. Hey man, hey, you know, I, I was. I've was... actually read the book, so I'm commending it to our audience. you know, well, authentically. Yeah, man. And, and I appreciate that because it's like, I, I know you, you keep a lot of plates spinning. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciated your uh, your kind endorsement. Bro, you even made the back cover, man. You, I know. You, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, one of the ways to make sure that, uh, or not make sure, but to increase the chances that I'll be able to read uh, a book for endorsement is for it to be fairly short. So it's not a very, <laughs> it's not a very long book. But no, when no. it says, hey, look, you know, it's not a very long, um, I'm like, oh, I can probably fit that in. And I was happy to... Uh, to uh, commend it with a blurb um, about uh, equipping people being equipped. I I think this book would be really helpful for that brother. I I really appreciate uh, your time. Thanks for coming on the for the church podcast. No doubt, man. Always good to talk to you. And dear listener, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.